Welcome to Total Health Transformation Podcast, hosted by Dr. Danny Scarhill. Dr. Danny is a doctor of chiropractic, an author, speaker, and trainer. And on the THT Podcast, he interviews other health experts to glean further insights that will help you achieve total health transformation. Welcome to the Total Health Transformation Podcast. My name is Dr. Danny Scarhill, the founder of dannyscarhill.com, the author of Total Health Transformation, the proven system to unlock limitless energy, motivation, and health, and the creator of the Total Health Transformation programs. Let's get straight into it on this episode. Welcome to this episode of the THT Podcast. Got another fantastic guest for you, Jean-Luc Lafitte. Jean-Luc has been involved in the healthcare system for over 25 years now. He believes that health is not just about our physical health, but also our emotional, chemical, and spiritual health as well. He believes that we're only starting to tap into the power of the mind. His passion for treating and educating people about how amazing the human body is has meant that he's been contacted by and asked to treat a vast array of patients over the years, including Hollywood A-listers and royalty, no less. Welcome to the call, Jean-Luc. How are you doing, mate? Good, Danny. Yeah, lo- lovely, lovely to catch up, mate. It's been a while. It has, hasn't it? Yeah. So, in in your journey over the past two and a half to three decades, yeah, tell us a little bit about your story. Where did you start, and then bring us up to where you are now? Well, it's it's kind of one of those really funny things, you know, when you're um when you're young and you, you kind of somebody gets an ache or a pain and you sort of put your hand on the ache or the pain and it goes away and then you're told oh that's you know don't make it up it's all in your mind and whatever so you suppress that so for many many years i came away from healing and um but i eventually got back into it i was a nursing auxiliary at a hospital um called the queen victoria hospital it's in east grins it's very famous for its burns and um but i used to be a real migraine sufferer and uh, one day somebody said to me, oh, go, you know, go and see this guy as a chiropractor. And I went to see him. And uh, that was like, literally, that was 25 years ago. I haven't had a migraine since. So I thought, I want some of this. So, uh, you know, off I went and trained as a chiropractor. And along that journey, became interested in nutrition. And the more and more kind of patients I saw, I thought, my God, you know, there's so much to this. Because people would come in and I'd work. Um, doing some emotional work with them and suddenly like somebody couldn't rotate their head and they could rotate their head 100% just from doing something emotional so it's been a passion of mine for a long long time now and I you know I don't think I'm a healer I I call myself a um, you know a a facilitator I suppose in a way I believe that the person heals themselves I'm just part of that journey. Excellent good stuff and I know part of your your tool belt if you like your 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 tools is hypnosis tell us a little bit about that and how you got into that well I began to realize that when I was treating people as a chiropractor and and working on musculoskeletal issues that um as well as that musculoskeletal issues there was emotional things that kept coming up I'd work on a patient for example and I might do some very gentle cranial work and then they would start sort of crying and I thought this kept happening again and again so I thought right, okay what's going on here and I looked into it and I realized how the mind affects the body in such a powerful way so I thought well I'm going to go and train as a hypnotherapist because hypnosis allows you to go very deep into somebody's um, subconscious mind which is where everything plays out ultimately and right from the minute that we're conceived, well, when you're in the womb, even there's been studies done showing that children will recognize a father's voice in the womb and particular pieces of music. 
So I thought, well, I trained as a uh, trained chiropractor. Let me go and train as a hypnotherapist. And so I started using um, some kind of NLP techniques, neuralistic, neuralistic linguistic programming, and also hypnotherapy. And together, using those with chiropractic treatment, I found that I was getting better and better results as it went on. Um, but I also then discovered that the, the missing component, if you want, the third part was nutrition. So I also went and trained as a nutritionist. So when I, people came to see me, there was a that sort of the chemical, the physical, the emotional. But of course, on the other side to that was the spiritual, which nobody really wants to go near. Nobody wants to sort of go near the spiritual because it seems to be only vicars and priests can uh, <laughs> go near the spiritual. But there is a spiritual aspect to all these things. And, um, you know, I believe that we, we carry within us when each cell, I believe, has a memory. And I think that if we address these things on a far deeper level, we get true, you know, true healing. Absolutely. So the, the nutrition that you've, you've studied, yeah. um, you know, one, one of the uh, big things that a lot of people talk about, myself included, are things like dairy products and wheat products, yeah. basically what the uh, us human beings haven't really evolved enough to be able to utilize them. What's, yeah. your, what's your take on those two big groups that are so uh, they're very, very prevalent in the, the Western diet, really? What, what's your take on that? Well, I look, at, I look at, like you've just said, I look at our ancestors and what they ate. And um, I think that if we look at, we did a comparative study. It's a guy called David Thomas, somebody I work with. He, he did a, a study and he looked at nutritional deficiencies in the food since 1940. And if you take the one I always remember, which was quite alarming, was you look at the iron content in a carrot, for example, and if you look at 1940, if you were to eat um, one carrot in 1940 and today, you'd need to eat 76 carrots to get the same equivalent iron content. So it shows us what's actually going on when we talk about supplementation, why people go, they say, oh, you don't need supplements, you eat really good, good diet. Well, that's not actually the case. Yes, if you eat organic, that's great but the food in this and, and the soil has been so adulterated with pesticides and chemicals so i think what's happening with wheat and dairy is that it's growing because it's it's being grown on chemicals to be honest and i think that's more more the problem i mean when they looked at things like doing um, the gmo um you know artificial um wheat the problem is that artificial wheat has been grown to essentially if the insect bites it, what it's meant to do is it's meant to break down the digestive system of the insect and destroy it. Well, when ingesting that into our bodies, no wonder we're getting gut problems. Because um, when I was a kid growing up um, in Africa, we didn't have such a thing as organic. Everything was organic because the, there was no nothing to you know put fertilizers and buy fertilizers. And I think the same that's happening with milk as well. But the problem, and, and as you rightly said, is that Milk is really there to, you know, make cows fat. If you want to see what happens when you give a calf milk, it gets fat. And we wonder why we've got an obesity problem in this country. If you truly want to have something that's compatible, say with breast milk, you probably want to have something like goat's milk because the protein in the goat's milk is smaller. And it's like human um, protein breast milk. So I think that this is the problem that we're, we're seeing. I mean, if you notice, for example, peanut allergies, things like that, we're not exposing ourselves anymore we're, we're it, I think in the COVID situation is a classic of that. We're, we're making it so everything's so clean, you know? I mean, we're, we're designed to have gut bacteria and bacteria in our gut. They live with us. 
you know, like little aliens inside us. And I think so. I tend to follow uh, uh, Dr. Diamo's work on blood typing a lot. And essentially, we're looking at a inside all food, there's a thing called a lectin, and the lectin is a protein. And what that does, it reacts differently to your blood group. So um, I'm, a, I'm a blood group A positive. And so my ancestors were the first sort of, say, vegetarian farmers. And this is another big problem that we have. We're eating all year round the same thing. I can get strawberries any time of year, which is not natural. We shouldn't really be able to do that. So our bodies are constantly being exposed to the same thing. There would be our ancestors might, for example, have something in winter, something spring, and the body had a chance to recover from that, but we're not doing that, plus all the chemicals and pesticides. And I think really that's, that's the biggest problem. So I strip it down to gut bacteria and I take a person and I say, right, okay, what's your blood group? What are you eating? What are the reactions you've got? And I work that way. And interestingly enough, I get proper weight loss. If somebody's obese, I start to see real changes in their diet. But I also look at um, minerals, which are the fundamental building blocks really for anything. I had a case recently of uh, a lady who had a lot of acid problems and she tried all the normal drugs that you'd have for acid issues. And actually what she was, all she was deficient in um, from asking her some questions and looking at her tongue and her, her nails, which is what I do a lot to do my diagnosis, is she was lacking a mineral called sodium phosphate. Now she's been taking this and the first time in years and years, just from the simple mineral, um, she says no acid problems, you know? So this is what we need to go back to. We need to go back to the basics and strip it down um, because ultimately at the end of the day, if all these diets worked, well, we wouldn't have any other diets, but every year there's a new diet that comes out. That's so true, isn't it? There's, there's, yeah. there's probably multi, there's probably at least half a dozen new diets come out every year, isn't there? Yeah. Would well, you remember the, um, do you remember the, the Atkins diet? Do you remember that one? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. So that was very, um, that was very O based. So if you're a blood type O, you're going to be high acid. Because um, you're designed to break down meat, you're a meat eater, you're a hunter gatherer, big muscles, explosive energies. Um, but what happened was the reason that ultimately failed was because it wasn't addressing the other blood groups, um, the A's, the ABs, and the B's, um, which were affected, you know, by a blood group diet, which should really be for O's. Um, and the majority of the Western world would be O, so you probably that's why it was so popular. Um, but ultimately, you know, it 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 didn't work and. Um, and also you and I both know in, in practice, cause you know, you've been in practice a long time like me. And you also know that, you know, it's, it's also about the whole body, the holistic system, you know, of the central nervous system and the emotional, you know what I mean? And we've had, you and I've had loads of conversations about that. And, you know, we've always, we've been on the same page. And I know that for me, one of the things that we share is you, you your same passion that you have for health is the same passion I have, you know? So and I think there's more people out there now that are becoming aware of this. I think there's the general public who are becoming aware now of, of health, you know, and, um, and the need for supplements. I mean, again, another illustration, probably say COVID, for example, um, vitamin D, you know, that's how, how important that's become. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, to, you know, to, to speak to the, the COVID thing as well, you know, it's been a wake up call really for an awful lot of people because you know, the people that have suffered and sadly passed away, the vast majority of them, their general health was very, very bad. 
and they had so many comorbidities, etc. People actually, you know, paid a bit more attention to how they're eating and how they're moving and how they're thinking. Then, you know, a massive amount of people's life in existence, wouldn't they? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that there's, there's a, the, the positive of the COVID is that people are becoming aware of these things. I mean, it's, uh, I know that there's a high Asian population where I, where I work sometimes, and definitely there I'm getting quite a few patients who are um, vitamin D deficient, um, you know. And it, the thing is, though, is that they're, they're told to take, say, take vitamin D, but the, the, the little key to it or the lack of knowledge is that it's got to be vitamin D3, and it's also you really need to take it with vitamin um, K2. Because if you're not taking with vitamin K, what happens is, if you can see, you can see it on x-rays, you get um, calcium deposits. So in order for you really to get that vitamin D into you, you do need the calcium, uh, sorry, the vitamin K2, you know, to get it into your bones. Absolutely. For sure. So a lot of this stuff you've mentioned um, earlier on, you mentioned about helping people with emotional issues. In terms of people's emotions, how, how what have you found in terms of managing emotions and how not managing emotions affects your health in a in a in a negative way? Let's say. I mean, one of the biggest things that I get people um, traveling to see me is probably that, and and the easy way really to explain how I work is that. Um, everybody in some point in their life is going to have a negative emotion. But what they don't understand is that that negative emotion um, can also be locked in the body. And as an example of this, say for example, you have an argument with somebody and you've, you've got your, say your right leg back, you're, you're leaning on your chin or something like that, and you're having this argument. Now, unfortunately, what happens is the subconscious mind doesn't only just register the fact that you're having an argument and you're upset. Um, what it does is it also registers the position that you're standing. So what will happen is, um, could be years later even, you suddenly find yourself a sunny day, you're feeling really good, and then you go and put your right leg back, you put your, your hand on your chin again, and your subconscious mind will remember that posture but it'll also associate it with the emotion. So what it's going to do is going to start firing off those memories. And it's also going to then, um, you've got two parts of your, your body. Basically there's the, what's called the sympathetic nervous system. I always like to think of the sympathetic nervous system of feeling sympathy. So your sympathetic nervous system is that system that kicks in when you, you're in what's called fight or flight, when you're either being chased by a predator or you're in danger. And then there's the parasympathetic nervous system. And that's the bit that counteracts that and makes you feel zened out and calm. And, you know, so basically what happens is, is your sympathetic nervous system will start firing off once you're in that position because it thinks you're in danger or thinks you're experiencing that emotion again. So the key that I find is that I, what I do is I work with the person to find out first what the emotion is that they're feeling. Then I find out what position they're in. And what I do is I do an alternate um, reverse of that adjustment. So say, for example, when they're standing and um, say their hip is high on the right-hand side, I get them to think with that emotion with their eyes closed. And what I do is I adjust the hip from being high to low. So it kind of breaks 
the subconscious association with that. And that's the, the most amazing thing um, that I'm finding. Um, <clears throat> that and along with another technique I use, um, which is to not be emotionally attached to the outcome of the treatment. So for many years, um, you, you and I both know that we can treat hundreds of patients and we never hear about anything because those hundreds of patients are well and we might not see them again. But the one patient, just that one patient that you might not get right and then complains, that's the one that's gonna make you feel rubbish, you know, and make every single time make you, you kind of feel like that. But what I realized is, is that you and I as practitioners aren't responsible for their health. We're there to help them. So I think emotionally people are, are invested sometimes in blaming other people, you know, for their health. So I've tried to, um, when I treat people, not make it that I'm responsible for the outcome of the treatment. I've had to learn to go, I'm going to help them and I'm going to do what I can do. But ultimately it's as much as I can do. Because if you're a empath, which means that you tend to give, 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 and you're very sensitive, you can be a bit like a sponge emotionally, and it can do you in, as, you know, especially as a therapist. So um, I had a woman, let's see, it's another example. Example is always a good way to illustrate this. <clears throat> I had a woman come in to see me, I think, uh, about a week ago, and she hadn't been able to um, hug her husband for a year or pick up her um, new grandson uh, at all, ever since he was born. So I looked at her shoulder because she came in with a shoulder problem. Now, what's quite interesting about this woman is she, um, she was a psychologist. So it's not like she didn't understand emotion. And I asked her to um, put her shoulder up and you know, lift her arm up from the side. She only had about 50% range of motion. Beyond that, she was in real agony. So what I did was I, there's a technique I used on, on her shoulder and I literally got her to think of the, the thing that, you know, what she was upset about. And I think that I probably took me two minutes to a minute and she had full range of motion, full range. And, and, and she was literally close to crying. And to the outsider, that looks like some kind of magic healing, whatever, you know, it looks like I'm some kind of guru, but it's not. I truly believe that the healing took place because she healed herself. And, and also the other thing that I don't do is I don't preempt them by telling them what I'm going to do. Otherwise, you could say that's um, a loading. So in, in hypnosis and any emotional technique, if I say what's going to happen, it's like I've, you, you could say I've suggested to the subconscious mind that's what's going to happen. So I don't do anything like that. So, and um, I have to be honest, I'm blown away by it to this day. I'm as, that's why I'm as passionate today as I've ever been about health. Excellent. That's a um, really, really powerful uh, way of illustrating the point you were making. So thanks for sharing that, mate. That's okay. So when, um, in, in today's, today's world, there's so many people that are, have had cancer or have been exposed to cancer, whether it's themselves or a family member or friend, they reckon at some point in their lives, one in two people will get cancer of some description, don't they? Yeah. What are your thoughts on traditional medical treatments of cancer? And why is cancer so, so prevalent today in the Western world, but even the Eastern world is catching up now? Well, 
ironically enough, and well, probably you, I mean, you know, obviously, but um, 14th of March, um, I had a, a tumor removed, a cancerous tumor. And uh, just as lockdown was coming in, thank God. Um, and I think I was probably nine days post-op. It, it was a partial um, nephrectomy for, and for those who don't have a kind of anatomy understanding, um, that relate, relates to your kidney. So they took part of the kidney out and the tumor. And I reckon I was probably, well, I'll tell you how well I was. On the second day of being in hospital, the consultant brought round his own x-rays for me to have a look at because he wanted me to tell him what was going on with his back. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's how well I was. On day nine, um, they thought I was uh, nine weeks post-op. And to be honest, you can hardly see my scars now. So that's from the 14th of March. And it might surprise you or some people when I say to myself, cancer was the best gift I ever was ever given. Now that's, I know it sounds strange to some people, but I believe that we have things happen to us in life, sometimes because we don't listen. And in my case, I would say, at the time I wasn't in a happy relationship. I was working in five clinics. I was traveling up to London, 5.30 in the morning, coming home late at night. Um, probably wasn't eating as much as I should, funny enough, because I'm one of these people, unfortunately, I can forget to eat, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> So, so cancer came along for me. Um, oh, also big factor in this is um, my mother had died as well. Now, one of the things that's really interesting is all before the cancer came along, the day that my mother died, for some reason unexplainable to me at the time, I, I developed a really sore big toe on my right hand side. And I couldn't figure it out at all. I didn't know what the hell was going on. How can I go from no pain in my foot to excruciating pain? So I then discover, obviously I was diagnosed with the cancer. I then discovered that the meridian, in other words, the line in acupuncture where the energy goes, that travels through the body. Meridian's basically highways in the body, if you want to think about it like that. So if I go from my heart to my toe, there's a highway. Think about these highways all over the body. And in acupuncture, in the Chinese system, in these highways, if you have a, uh, you know, a crash, the cars can't go. So what happens with acupuncture, essentially, they come along and they can take the cars away, or the energy in this sense, and suddenly the highway's free. So in this case, the um, big toe is the kidney meridian. And that's where I got my cancer. So I was being given a message long before I was diagnosed with the cancer. And obviously hindsight's a gift, isn't it? So the reason I think, back to your, back to your question, why, why basically do I think there's so much cancers and things around? Because I think we're living in disharmony with the environment. I think that we're um, eating rubbish food. I think we're emotionally drained, emotionally stressed. I think we're spending far too much time on things like, you know, kind of, TV and all that sort of stuff. Um, so when I say to people, I don't have a television, 
they look at me as if I'm some kind of caveman, you know? And, but then when they say to me, how can you've written 10 books and how can you paint and do this? And I said, well, because when you're watching television, I'm doing those things. <laughs> so I, I think that's why we're, we're getting a lot of these things. Um, and so to say that it's just diet is only the tip of the iceberg. You know, for example, the ki obviously the kid, what the kidney does is it, it filters, it, it breaks down, it gets rid of, you know, urine, all this sort of stuff. So obviously for me, there were things I had to get rid of. And I think because I embraced cancer and I said to myself, it's just cancer. It's a lesson, you know, um, that's why I was able to recover so quickly. Whereas some people, when they're diagnosed, it becomes their life story. They never stop to think, okay, now why did I get this? What were the, what were the things that led me to this point that I can change? And they don't change them. And if you're never going to change something, I mean, you know that uh, you and I talked about this before, but the um, definition of madness is to do something that doesn't work and then keep doing it and expect a different outcome. Yeah. You know, so really we have to get away from the culture that we're living in where nobody takes responsibility. We seem to be living in a culture where everybody else is everybody else's fault, you know? So, yeah, so long story short, I suppose that's what I think it is. I think it's a combination of not just physical, um, but also emotional and and chemical. Absolutely, you, you touched on a few really interesting. Um, the fact that our body does talk to us; it tries to give us messages. We're not always listening, though, and no. it, and it keeps on poking and poking and poking. And if we don't listen, then it'll poke a little bit harder until it gives you a message that you'd have to listen to, which is pretty much what you've described, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I, you know, and, and the thing is now is that I, I've been smart enough to make those changes, you know, and it's quite interesting because I had this idea that I had to go to London in order to be a successful chiropractor because that's where all the, you know, all the money was or whatever. Actually, it wasn't true. You know, in fact, I'm now more successful since leaving London, you know, it's just very, very strange. But um, these changes I made were were hard i mean there's a buddhist quote which says the inability to accept change is the cause of all unhappiness and actually it's such a simple thing to say but it's really true think every everybody your listeners think about the time when you've been unhappy normally it's because you've refused to change whether that's change acceptance of loss or ch you, you you refuse to change the way you diet you eat you think and things like that you know um i mean i I put a post up the other day saying something like, you know, everything starts with your thoughts. If you don't like what you're doing, stop, you know, stop and change your mind, you know, and we can do it. You just got to have the guts to do it. Absolutely. So true, isn't it? Yeah. So one of the products that you've got, cause I know you've written loads of books, haven't you? One of the products yeah. that you've got a great product of yours about panic attacks. Tell us a little bit about that for those people that who perhaps haven't are not aware of it. Okay, so it's now finally okay to talk about being stressed and emotional. Um, it's something that, especially with men, really, that's about time, you know, we did this. Um, partly, I would say the reason we're able to do that is because of the um, Gulf War and, you know, um, people coming back and soldiers and talking about PTSD. So we're seeing these strong men actually being quite vulnerable. Um, so... I had a really hard time after a, a separation in 2005 
and it really hit me hard, really hard. And suddenly I discovered I'd, I'd had panic attacks and I'm the most positive person in the world. In fact, my friends would often, often say I'm, I'm annoyingly positive. Okay. So, um, you know, so what happened from that was that I almost was on a mission after that. I mean, in the first, in that whole year that I took off, I wrote a book because I wanted to sort of, you know, get through this. So what I discovered is that, is that the body, when you are stressed, um, has a chemical reaction, emotional reaction, and a physical reaction. For, and to illustrate this point, um, one of the things that stress people have is they wake up at three o'clock in the morning. And when people are having panic attacks come to me, and I tell them they're waking up at three o'clock in the morning. Again, they look at me as if I'm some kind of guru or psychic now, you know what I mean? So I, they, they, people tend to project onto you things because they don't understand them. And it's not about being a psychic, it's about uh, physiology really. So basically um, you have your brain and your brain needs glucose. Let's think of that glucose as the fuel for your car. Now, you know, if you take your foot off the accelerator, the car's gonna stop. In the human body, you can't do that because if the brain stops functioning, you're dead. So the brain constantly needs a supply of, of glucose. Now, it, even thinking uses up glucose. Now, the liver um, has a rhythm to it. There's something in the body called the circadian rhythm. And the circadian rhythm is a rhythm that all organs have. So where they become most active, quiet, most active, quiet. There's, there's a peak and trough to this. And so what happens is the liver, its circadian rhythm is two in the afternoon to three o'clock in the morning. So when you get a situation where you find that the, the body's running out of glucose, what the brain does is it tries to take away from the liver something called glycogen. And glycogen is essentially a fuel reserve that the liver uses to clean itself. So the liver has to clean itself. And when it's cleaning itself and it's most active, it's three o'clock in the morning. So what the brain does is goes, hold on a second, we, we're running out, we're in danger, we need some glucose. So let's go and get some glycogen and convert that to glucose. And the liver goes, well, hold on a second, I need that because I'm cleaning myself. So now we've got a problem. So the brain sends out an alert and that alert releases adrenaline. And that adrenaline wakes you up. And often people will wake up sometimes in the morning feeling panicky and they don't know why. They're saying, what am I what I'm worried about? I've been to sleep. And so the, the, the quick way to get around this is to think about our ancestors. Our ancestors would, um, when it got dark, they would eat and then they would go to sleep. What we do in the modern world is we eat and then for four hours or whatever, we watch TV. And the problem is, is that by the time you've gone to bed, your stomach has digested just the stomach, not the small intestine has digested the food and you're now running out of glucose. So the key to this is opposite of what you and I have been told growing up, which is don't eat too late at night. So I would say, if you're going to have a meal at night before you go to bed, what you need is complex carbohydrates. So complex carbohydrates are called that because they're made up of more than one sugar chain and they break down slowly. And by breaking down slowly, you get a slow release of glucose all through the night. So I've had people that literally just the one thing they've done. So you take say a flapjack or something like that, have the flapjack just before bed. And you'll find that you get that slow glucose release. 
So I was on a kind of a mission and um, I teamed up with a counselor called Dawn and together she brought in the emotional aspect of it. I brought in the chemical physical aspect of it. So what we did was we developed a method whereby we can stop panic attacks within about three minutes, I would say. Um, but we also address the long-term situation of that. So there was three of us involved because we had another, um, Amy's our other partner. And because there's three of us, we called ourselves um, Stress um, Three Dom. So it sounds like you're saying Stress Freedom. So it's Stress with a three and then a DOM. So we've helped, oh God, I, I don't even know, I couldn't even count how many people we've helped basically. Um, but that's our kind of mission if you want, um, is to really, really help people. And I, the one thing I would say about COVID-19, we are really in for a rough ride, I think. Um, you know, we thought COVID-19 was bad. I think mental health, we're gonna really be challenged, um, you know, by a lot of this. So what Stress Freedom does is, is hopefully is that it, it addresses, you know, some of those issues. That's really good. Good. Thank you for sharing that information with the listeners, mate. I'm sure they'll, uh, many of them will very much appreciate that. Yeah. Thanks for taking out the time to be with us on the cast today. I know you're really, really busy. So I really appreciate you taking out the time to be with us, mate. Yeah. Listen, any, seriously, mate, any, any time you and me go back, you know, we're, we're, we're cut from the same cloth. We both have funny accents, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So uh, for those people that want to find out a bit more about you, where's the best yeah. place to find out more about you online, mate? Um, I mean, they can, if they want, they can just, um, you can go to look for just, if you put in Jean-Luc Lafitte, um, that's, it's, I've got a funny spelling to my name, obviously, because I'm half French. Um, so the Jean-Luc is spelled J-E-A-N and then space L-U-C space L-A-F-I-T-T-E. Just stick that, just stick that on the internet, to be honest. Um, you know, there's lots of stuff there. For my sins, I used to work in TV as well. So you'll kind of think, what the hell? Um, anyway, so you'll see stuff there. But otherwise, um, definitely go to stressfreedom.com. So just stress with a three and then dom.com. Um, and if you want, you know, I'm more than happy for people to contact me if they want to. It's, it's not a problem. Um, yes, I am busy, but we'll, if I don't, pick up the phone or whatever i promise 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 that I'll, I'll get back to you excellent thanks so much for that appreciate that mate that's okay absolute pleasure speak to you soon all the best Take mate. Care. cheers buddy bye you've been listening to the tht podcast with myself dr danny scarhill make sure you subscribe to the podcast on itunes podbean or any one of the other outlets where we stream like us on facebook that's facebook.com slash Total Health Transformation. You can also find more information about myself on my website, dannyscarhill.com, where you'll find lots of fantastic information and some free products for you as well. Look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Take care. All the best. You've been listening to Dr. Danny Scarhill on the Total Health Transformation podcast, helping you to eat, move and think on purpose. See you on our next episode.